0: Welcome to the Scottish Paramo podcast Um we have Ron Moorhead on tonight and Mark Anderson co-hosting. Um, Ron is an absolute legend in the Bigfoot field and we're just going kind to of go right into it now and we welcome Ron and Mark into the show. How are you doing tonight guys?
1: Yeah good thank you. Yeah it's been a busy week.
2: Very well. Very well. Thank you. Very well. Honored to be here.
0: <laughs> no, I, I totally appreciate you coming on. As I said um, in the intro there, um, you're a, a legend in this field. And um, I mean, for me, getting you on, uh, my listeners may not have a, a good knowledge of the, the, the Bigfoot field or Sasquatch field um, and understanding it. Some may, some may not, but I, I think it would be good to get you on to have a... Uh, an introduction, maybe go over some of the stuff that you've um, talked about in the past and then we can kind of go for there um, I follow the, the, the kind of subject a, a little bit um, so I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you and, and things like that as well So, um, I mean if you want to do a, a short introduction of yourself and then we can go for there so the listeners know who you are and then they, I'll explain that anyway in the introduction um, if you want to,
2: can you go ahead Me? Okay Yeah <laughs> Well, I'm I'm known for the Sierra Sounds, which is uh, record Bigfoot vocalizations. We record uh, during the '70s in the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains of California, USA, and uh, that's what's kind of got me here today with you guys because I speak at conferences and things because they've been scientifically studied, and that's what makes them unique. We've had the uh, forensic studies done on them, and I just, anyway, it's. I was involved with a group of hunters in 71 who came out with a story. I hadn't been a hunter there, but they were friends of mine. They came out with a story of a monster being up there sometimes, something really big. And one of the guys got freaked out so bad he wouldn't go back. So, uh, uh, yeah, their wives wanted to know how they were doing because at that time we didn't know. They didn't know what they were dealing with. Uh, It was going to eat them or carry them away or what was going on. So they... uh, he he said he'll go back and check up on him if if i go with him but he'd want to go back for himself and to my knowledge he hadn't been up there since to spend the night you know he just he's he's just a very religious person didn't know where to put this in his uh condition he's had his whole life you know, in the churches and stuff and we're all much the same way you don't know where to put this because it's just bigfoot wasn't on our radar and uh Anyway, that's got me in camp. That was 1971. I seen their foot impressions and heard some recordings. These guys had went back in after they got the first encounter and took some cassette recorders with them. And so that's what I heard start with. And I started going up there as often as I could. And we kept encountering these things. It wasn't until the winter of 71, 72 when we were snowed out of that area uh, that uh, the leader of our group, Warren Johnson, he wrote a 23 page letter to Ivan sanderson a cryptozoologist here in the united states and he thought somebody's pulling his leg because this doesn't happen to people where they have multiple encounters and a family of them actually coming in and doing this stuff so yeah. he he did send it off to a man named peter byrne here on the west coast and uh, they're on the west coast I'm, I'm on the east coast now but uh, peter uh peter got it and read it and thought the same thing but uh he sent it down to a reporter alan berry in uh, redding california and actually uh alan thought the same thing but he thought it might be worth going down and talking to these guys because uh, he was closer and uh but i didn't know any of this was going on but i uh, read the correspondence later years on when i got Berry's file he, let me see that stuff but yeah he was uh he we invited him in in 72 to uh, uh he wanted to go and see what was going on so he he wasn't an investigative reporter. He had a master's in science, so he wasn't anybody's, you know, he was a very smart person. Yeah. And he just, um, he started experiencing the same thing and tried to figure out who was tricking us because we all I underestimated what they were. We thought they were just some kind of a big ape out there that hadn't been identified, you know, which most people still search for that ape in the woods. But I gave that up some years back when I started researching just what they could be and what the experiences we had, which was pretty, uh, abnormal i mean lights uh sounds that we couldn't identify just strangeness a lot of strangeness and uh, we just put it up on the shelf and al said don't talk to anybody about the strangeness up here. you're invited to talk anywhere and uh, at that time we him and i started going around talking a little bit at the conferences that was uh early 80s probably when we started doing that more because he'd already got the study back from a professor curling at the university of wyoming which said they had not been manipulated, Their sounds were recorded had not been manipulated, and <clears throat> they were not speeded up, slowed down, or, or, or manufactured in any way. They didn't have a sixty cycle hum, which would have given it away as a pre-recording. They weren't pre-recorded or re-recorded. And so, when you get a professor like that behind you, a professor of electrical engineering, and he said it represented an eight foot tall obesity. The, the Check this out with or compared to the vocal, human vocal mechanism, it represented an eight foot tall person. Mm-hmm. And it, but it has a vocal, uh, vocal ability, and not just a scream or a yell. It, it's uh, a lot of people have heard these sounds. They've been all over the world now, and uh, it's just uh, interesting stuff. And when you got a uh, professor at uh, there was, yeah uh, Texas A and M uh, said he listened to him he said it's really powerful, too powerful to have been made human made and. Representing an eight, animal eight and a half foot tall so that pretty much corroborates what Professor Professor Kurland was saying and uh anyway then uh he got uh well he got Scott Nelson who's a cryptolinguist got a whole of them and uh that was in 19 I forgot now. a long time ago <laughs> he's trained by the military as a cryptolinguist mm-hmm. and uh he uh he, he heard him by accident and he came out and uh Interview me and Allenberry too, and find the context of sounds. Ask if he could study a little bit. He did. He says, By the human definition of language, which is a morphine stream of words like I'm talking now, it it, it is representative of a language. Well, that puts it all together for me with one little element that I hadn't mentioned yet, and that's Dr. Lieberman, Brown University. He said, Only humans have the mechanism for language. Mm -hmm. Out of all the creatures on this planet, only humans have that. So that kind of tells me there's a human component to these things and they just put it in a hybrid type being of course we're hybrids too as far as i'm concerned so uh we're all manufacturers in a way we've got influence from from i believe aliens and i can talk about aliens now but i didn't used to do that at all but still a little bit of a twink in my background in my head you know to (laughs) say aliens because it sounds so uh but it is they're here And uh, I witnessed a UFO up there, but I didn't talk about that much either because it puts you in the woo-woo camp. And Al Barry, having a master's degree in science, he says, "Uh, whatever you do, stick with science. Don't talk about this stuff. So I finally got the science, I think, that backs up everything. And it's the truth science, whether it's all the way from the atom throughout the cosmos. Quantum physics works in every element of your life every day. It's working in us right now. Thing is we believe in a, a three-dimensional environment and that uh, three-dimensional environment is everything based on newtonian physics which is just what you can see feel, uh hear all those senses that we have mm-hmm. that's our third dimensional element that we live in here there's more dimensions going on according to quantum physics and that's so that answers a lot for me i did for a lot of the enigmas associated with these beings and and uh but anyway, uh I got the sounds that's been scientifically studied. That's kind of what puts it on the map, I think.
0: Go going back to um just, just one can first first off, I know obviously you mentioned lights and like UFOs and, and things like that as well. It's it's hard enough trying to convince people there's there's like let's say for example, a Sasquatch and then you need to um, tell them about all the other as you say woo stuff, people would say it's all woo stuff. Um, but it's 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 funny that I mean it's hard people in other camps is if you I look at the paranormal field as a whole and um and it's funny how you get different camps and that so you get people who maybe in one regard will look at Sasquatch as, as two different things in regards to um a living breathing animal and and somebody else will will see it as maybe like a more spiritual type thing but then you look at the the UFO camp there's like loads of different things like that and a lot of them don't even believe each Segment of the paranormal field. Um, just just going back to initially when the hunters were in that area um, before nineteen seventy one, um, they'd hunted that area for for a number of decades before that, hadn't they? Before nineteen fifty
2: eight, yeah,
0: yeah, but before they had the sighting. And was the sighting that the hunter had was it a a multiple kind of sighting? The different people seen it, or was it just one hunter? It's seen it at that time
2: well it, it happened over several years starting mm-hmm. in 1971 prior to that they, they put everything off to a bear or something like that and, yeah uh when their things were disturbed or whatever but there's a shelter up there now keep in mind it's eight miles into the wilderness and it's a very imposing area to get to there's nobody else around that you can, that you can find anyway and mm-hmm. there's no tracks or any signs that anybody's been around and uh it's uh, 8,400 feet in elevation, the camp is. And uh, so um, you get back there and you uh, see the area, you understand that it's really pretty ridiculous that somebody could be tricking us. However, people do those things. So that's what Murray was out to see who could be tricking us up there. And we've taken a wildlife biologist in there to see if there's any signs of speakers or wires. And that was the advice of a. Scientist back east, who said that study should be done. So he he was a uh, did a four study on the camp and just uh, uh, very unique what was happening. And again, we underestimated what we're dealing with at the time. Uh, so I forgot your question. Now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. When you when you initially
0: um, built the shelter up there. Was the shelter just to start off with other wild animals, um, keeping you safe from bears, for example, or did you build the shelter because of these creatures?
2: No, the shelter was already there when I started growing up. It had been there for years. Uh, Johnson Brothers had reinforced it, and, and there's a group of trees growing in a round circle type of effect, and, and they wrapped a cable around the trees. We hauled it in on mules, or they did. And uh, they lean deadfall up against those cables, and then strap the cables across cables across the top, and then put deadfall up there, and put uh, plastic over that deadfall, and then brush alder brush over top of that. So uh, basically, you get out of the weather. Yeah, if uh, it's raining or something, you can get in there, <clears throat> and uh, also uh, just to feel better. There's a lot of bear up there, and uh, yeah, they uh, we saw a lot of bear and encountered them and all that so but these were not bare i guarantee you that mm-hmm. uh they uh they're unique <laughs> but i think what happened in one night What well, uh this is what happened in 71 when they really let their presence be known now they may have been messing with them before that but these guys didn't put it together with a bigfoot uh, mm-hmm. and uh but in 71 they left a hot teapot out on a stove that we had that I keep saying we, because I took one in too later on, but a stove we would put together up this uh, hauled in our mules and put it together up there. And uh, there's a hot teapot there, and they had been leaving food out just because they didn't eat it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever happened, uh, this was really uh, frightening to them. Whatever, they think, uh, Warren Johnson thinks that one of them uh, uh, spilled the hot tea down his throat or something, and Burning because there was really some ruckus going on out there. Mm-hmm. And they realized that was not a bear. You know, bears don't, don't do that. And uh, anyway, later on, when all this stuff stopped, uh, the ruckus stopped, the food was gone. But they went out there and saw this huge track, 18 inch track right there and beside the stove in the mud because there was mud up there at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of laid them onto this. Someone's got a big foot. That's whatever's was out here is big. was so. yeah. big. But they're avid hunters. These guys could shoot the tail off a nap you know with a 44 magnet yeah. <laughs> they're really really good uh avid hunters and uh <clears throat> so they came out anyway and uh um, told the other guys everybody up there that's when that's that's I that's when i got involved is when they all went up there and they're experiencing the same thing for these family for these things coming around one of the guys got frightened off so bad he just was shaking because it's pretty frightening when you first hear the uh first hear the sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are pretty aggressive, and it wasn't until uh, three, four years later, 1974, when, when uh, they calmed their sounds down, and uh, the crypto has listened to all this. He's a two-time graduate, by the way, of the uh, Language Institute, of, uh, Military Institute of Foreign Languages, who spent his career in the Navy to uh, transcribe languages or sounds that comes in from foreign areas, and he... Uh, He's trained to see if there's any manipulation, if it's a code, or if it's a language. If it is a language, what could it what could it signify? You know, is there any trickery in it or whatever? So he got a hold of them, say uh, by accident, and he said they have they have language. When uh, Dr. Lieberman at Brown University said that about language, well, that to me puts the dots together for another picture. They have they have a human component to them. I got ahead of you again, but uh <laughs> No, that's fine. No, that's okay. Yeah.
0: Um uh, the, the whole kind of thing with the human component when when anybody ever finds any evidence in regards to hair, it always goes back to some kind of genetic human component within the DNA. Um do you think that's because it's 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 part of it's part of them or it's been um the DNA's basically been um, touched the humans or whatever else or, or the hairs you think it's actually it's got a human component to it
2: well the ones we had up there in the Sierra Nevada mountains have a human component to them they have language I'm not sure they're all the same because I believe different aliens have been here on this planet and they uh, have messed with the genome of different species yeah and that's written about a lot in ancient texts and all that so uh, <clears> the <throat> we had had language that were very uh very big. And uh, so it's kind of got me into it. So, anyway, so I've been doing this now for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been pretty interesting subject, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I've written a couple of books now. So, I, I could imagine. I mean, <clears throat> definitely an interesting
0: subject um, in regards to it. The... So, when you were up there in like the early 70s um, and you were recording with it, it was like, I think it was a key. a, a cassette tape and stuff like that, you were taping the back in the day. Um, did you put the microphones, was it just in the camp or was it further away from the camp and and things like that?
2: Some of the sounds that Alberry recorded, he had his microphone uh, 40, about 40 feet up behind the camp shelter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had, generally I had mine, I had a stereo microphone, a stereo cassette tape recorder, and I had these mics sticking out each side of the shelter so I get a kind of a stereo effect of where they might be and yeah. put a headset on. And I'd rigged up a mercury switch so I could turn on and off, make a noise, and all that stuff. So, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, some of them were close and some of them were far away. And I say far away, they yeah. they came in probably within, sometimes within a few feet of our shelter. And you, I could hear them walking around out there, bipedal walking. They all might heard one, mm-hmm. and uh, Al Berry's recordings were very clear. That's the ones he sent off to Professor Kerlin. That I've studied, uh, and. Uh, Anyway, uh, most all of us just had tape recorders stuck in the walls of the shelter between the logs. Hmm.
0: Did you did you see them
1: at all when you were up there? Sorry, Mark, you do want to go there. And, oh, sorry, uh, sorry to, you, but in, uh, what I'm really interested in, uh, Ron, is just a bit about the the area and the history itself. So close to where Chris and I live, there is a, a really ancient uh, monument, and there's been a uh, bigfoot. Or well, what we call wild men—that's a, a maybe a smaller version of a, a bigfoot—and uh, could you just maybe tell us about like the Sierra Nevada Mountains, in particular the area where you've been seeing these
2: things, please? Hmm. Well, it's um, there's a huge mountain range, probably 400 miles long and several uh, miles wide in different spots, so. Uh, A lot of people have spotted these things around there. It's not unusual to spot them. What's unusual is to have uh, repeated encounters with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, I have seen one, by the way, uh, Chris, Uh, in 1974 when I was interacting with them, actually, because we started getting... We knew they weren't going to... We figured they weren't going to eat us by then. Yeah. They hadn't carried us away. They weren't, you know, being aggressive, just very elusive. And uh, we got glimpses of them. Uh, did that night in '74, which a long time coming for me. The other guys had gotten glimpses occasionally. Uh, me and my friend Bill had gotten glimpse that night, and uh, that was exciting because I, I recorded what they called the Samurai Cry, and it's on my tapes. with I happened to they, they they started messing with us before we ever got to the shelter that night. Just he and I brought supplies in. And, and uh, we heard the wood knocks, the uh, rock clocking, and rhythmically. And, <clears throat> and we learned just to ignore them, just ignore them, and then start doing things even closer. So uh, that's what we did. And, uh, Bill was putting the horses away, and I uh, they was taking the packs off and stuff like that. And I was getting the fire going for dinner. and uh, But they would already gotten there before we did. So they saw us, uh, witnessed us leaving or packing or something like coming up from below before we ever made the trip. And uh, I believe they, they watched us the whole way. I saw a big track on the trail perpendicular to the trail. Prior to that, we had our mules and horses get really disturbed down at the bottom, which we didn't think much of at then. It could, could have been a, a bear, a deer, could have been a snake, whatever. And uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, that's kind of depicted on the front cover of my book, Horses in the Wilderness, that scene right there. I think there might have been a big print there because you follow the ravine up where that happened and see the trail way up there. There's a print right there where he would have came out if if he could have went that way, which we couldn't go that way. But anyway, when we got to camp, uh, they started doing their stuff, which was popping, whopping, whooping. And that's when I interacted with them, with my vocal trying to mimic them. And and, uh, next morning, we found that they had been there actually before we got there. We knew that because we had resurfaced the top of the shelter that summer with fresh plastic and put fresh alder on it. Uh, and uh, there, it dried up by the time that time of the year it came. And and uh, there was two fresh alders that had been twisted off over by the spring. Huge, it that big around. and A uh, human couldn't do that. Mm. Excuse me. And uh, there was a big footprint right, right by our shelter door out to the left of it as you go in. Which we didn't see that night, but Bill, had dropped the dust cover off his rifle and it fell in that track. He didn't know it at the time. Next morning, I went over the door and looked out there and saw the dust cover. I seen it was laying right inside a track. and It wasn't mashed down, so I know that it it was there before, before we were. Mm-hmm. I write about that in my book. Uh, so that's uh, it was kind of a fun time. <laughs> it's exciting. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and uh, so, as far as how it is up there, it's it's uh, just beautiful uh, wilderness. Uh, it's uh, there's springs; we have a spring right there. There's a lot of boulders up high country, but there's also a lot of huge trees and uh, very pristine. Sierra's a nice mountain range.
0: Mm-hmm. We're saying um, in regards to the other places, you've I take it you've been a lot of other places trying to investigate and and look into in um, Sasquatch or, or Bigfoot, where other places have you seen, like, the most activity um, in regards to where you've been before?
2: Most activity? Uh, outside the United States? Or anywhere,
0: just anywhere, uh, even within the United States?
2: Well, most of it's in the United States. Hmm. Uh, most of the reported ones, usually. Uh, in northern, northwest, so probably, in Washington. The Olympic Peninsula has a lot of that stuff. And, uh i uh I went to Siberia and went out the way it was. I was in Russia first of all I spoke to the Darwin museum there for some uh, reporters and stuff and and uh, they took us over into Siberia to look for the uh take us to where the wild man they say hangs out yeah and uh so it was adventurous you know nice and, uh fun I've been in the, uh, South America a few a couple of times while expeditions were the scientists checking out the elongated skulls down there to see what they might represent Mm -hmm. my my interest in that was to see if it had anything to do with the sagittal crest that's often reported on bigfoot in this country Mm -hmm. Uh, they have a pointed head you know that's what we call a sagittal crest so uh there is a there is a crumb trail that leads from uh, central america excuse me from south america all the way up to central america Incas have stories about warring with uh, the uh, Mayans and the uh, Aztec in Central America, mm-hmm. and you got the Mayan story about warring with giants in the north. And that took me into the Lovelock caves in Nevada, and I've been there four times and so trying to get access to artifacts they found there a uh, hundred years ago. But it's all been taken away by the Smithsonian, so you can't really see it now. But they deny that there was any giants there, but the Paiutes don't. The Paiutes say they were cannibalistic giants. They drove into the cave and burned them out. Mm-hmm. But I think some of them probably survived. That takes me close to the Sierra Nevada mountains where there several reports. Um, you got the Minaret mummy, mummies, which were found in, uh, Martindale mummies, excuse me, which were found in uh, Yosemite, actually. And you've got the uh, uh, Minaret skull, which was found by Doctor Denton you when know, Boy Scout troops into the Minaret California Minaret Serenata Sur- Mountains again, and you got a lot of reports. Really, that's just two, and that that skull got sent off to UCLA, and it just turned up missing. Chase that down, Alberry did. They just figured it was somebody's ashtray now or something. You don't know. But, a huge but, human-like skull. Why do you, Why do you think well? Like... Going back to some of the,
0: um, there's there's loads as you know that there, there's through history, right across the world there's there's always stories of giants and bigger people or even wild men and things like that as well. But if you just take it to the giant <laughs> aspect here, why do you think they would like try and cover it up like the Smithsonian and they they basically take the skeletons and you try and confiscate things and and
2: skulls and and things like that as well. Well, yeah. I'd, uh, if giants are determined to be real by science, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to destroy the narrative that they've taught us all our life. You know, we're all conditioned with to believe certain things. And, yeah. and once you, once they change their, their narrative, they got to control the narrative. That's just all there is to it. Mm-hmm. So if uh, they can't explain the giant, they try to make fun of it or control it some way. Mm-hmm. But they're finding more and more of it nowadays. So the word's going to get out, and it's already getting out. You know. Uh, the, these things used to be here. Mm-hmm. They're here now, I can tell you that. I was taken into Alaska here a couple of years ago by the Discovery Channel to uh, help with a village. I don't know if you've heard that story or not, but it was on the Discovery Channel, an eight-part series. And they, uh, Portlock, Alaska, they had, uh, in the late 40s, 1940s, they had a, a Bigfoot-like creature, 12, 15 foot tall, that was mangling some of the villagers. And it was a fishing village and um they got they just closed up left what somewhere else mm-hmm. and the, the heirs from those those people wanted to reestablish the village because it was such a good spot for fishing and uh they flew me in on a helicopter so i circled the area quite a bit and saw where they had timbered it a lot also and the pictures i saw they were overfishing it too from the pictures Mm-hmm. and the timber you see in the new growth coming up which seems where the old growth was too and they were also mining the area and I got a feeling and I told them I think this, there wasn't enough respect for the land that uh, they, these things, if they live out here and they don't want they don't want to disturb like that and I found out over the years too of all my investigations and all that uh, these things really have a problem with us cutting trees down and disturbing the forest like we do mm-hmm. and uh, I got other theories about that too, why stuff like that, but it goes on and on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, like, I
0: mean, my interest in it is that, like, from, coming from a Scotland point of view, um, we've got a mountain range called the, well, quite a lot of mountains, but we've got a mountain range called the Cairngorm Kierang, Mountains. We're not a big country, um, but the, the land, before the land masses split up, the Cairngorms were part of the, the Appalachian Mountain range. Um, and they still kind of hold Events and things like that Up in the Cairngorms To do with the Appalachian, the Appalachian mountain range Because it was at one point Part of that before the continent split hmm.
2: um,
0: And in that area In that area um, There's been multiple Sightings Like they, they Probably One of the main kind of sightings come from the 1800s um, And it was called The Big Grey Man um, There's a, a few kind of books wrote on it and, and things like that But back in the day um, But even before that there's accounts going back before that as well And the interesting thing that you, you find If you follow the, the, the Sasquatch Bigfoot field As you alluded to earlier on where the amount of different phenomena It, it comes attached to it With light phenomena and, and things like that Or kind of quantum phenomena And um, mind speak and things like that and the interesting thing with reading some of the books, or like one of the books, it's it's uh, one of the more prominent ones. Um it was written in probably the early nineties, but it, it was a, a collection of stories from mountaineers and other kind of prominent people that they got the stories from. And um there's stories of things like that where some light phenomena and there's stories uh people being on the mountain and it's almost like they're talking to somebody um, and gonna be in a trance. And the author back in the day didn't have the data, which is which we've got now in regards to the sightings and um, through all the number of years, all the kind of Sasquatch and Bigfoot encounters, with all these type different type of phenomena. So he never he never kind of linked them together. He just put it in a a kind of basket with there's just multiple different phenomena on these mountains as well as these these big creatures which have been seen. Or they follow people and, and things like that, you know what I mean. So um, it's I find it extremely interesting that aspect you know here. I mean, but um, going back to the going back to just even just to pick your brains in regards to um, apart from the Smithsonian and, and things like that, Smithsonian, Sorry, um, have you ever? You probably have, right? If you what's your kind of theories on military involvement? In regards to trying to cover it up, um, and, and things like that as well, because I've heard stories like that before, or fishing game have. trying to cover it up as well.
2: Yeah, I've heard of that, and uh, they have to cover it up because again, they can't—they can't control it. They have to, they have to control it. Mm-hmm. The government does. So, yeah, I've heard of that happening in Mount St. Helens when it blew up, and uh, different places where the government got involved. They—they have a. Uh, agenda and the agenda is to keep us in the need to know base <laughs> much as we'd like to know a lot of this stuff uh, they they keep it from us and uh that's too bad but they're, they're having some of it out now like we, we find out that the roswell new mexico flying saucer was really a flying saucer with aliens on it you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah for a long time it was a weather balloon right yeah. Well, that's that's just one of the ways that you, you know they, they do.
0: do foil and balsa wood. <laughs> Yeah.
1: See what I thought was uh, interesting is I've heard of uh, uh, somebody in Alberta, Canada, who was uh, who claims to have had like a almost like a, a connection to to Bigfoot. And what 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 uh, seems to me was really strange, Ron, is that. There's like certain like uh, Native American Indian tribes that seem to have quite a negative view of uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, while other people have a very positive view. And I'm just wondering what's what's your thoughts on that, and why, and what the differences between these two, uh, like very contrasting types of uh, uh, perceptions, basically.
2: Well, it's it's probably uh, true in their minds, but uh, you know there's different types of these things out there. And they were, I think, again, I think alien intervention into the genova species, probably the primate species has been happening more and more with different types of aliens. There's more than one type of alien out there too, that's been on this planet. And, uh, really it depends on the agenda they have. Uh, if they're aggressive, uh, watch out because they're gonna, but they're not supposed to interfere with us and our karma. We're a very chosen people here. And, uh, we're very fortunate to be humans but yeah the uh the native americans have different lores you know a lot of times they would will they would uh, uh con their women into the forest to take them as mates and that's another reason i think there's a dilution factor going on too a lot of native american lore says they bred with their women and uh that would cause some of them to be more human-like than others and uh that's just one element uh Uh, a lot of them say they're here to help you because you you mentioned mind speak a while ago well that's how they can help you because they can't really make the choices for us we have to make our own choices depending on our karma that's how we graduate and get out of this joint (laughs) someday we all pass on energy can't die according to quantum physics we have two parts to our body the physical embodiment that we have and then you got the etherical part which is our spiritual or consciousness and that's what doesn't die and so that Almost sounds religious, but it's really uh, not so much. It's just spirituality. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're all spiritual beings, whether we like it or not. And uh, I think we're here to respond to experiences. And I don't say anything else in this broadcast. That's important. I think it's very, very important that we we respond properly to our experiences. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. can't consider ourselves a victim. Mm -hmm. We have to take everything and learn it and learn from it.
1: In your last in your new book, uh, is it about you're actually talking about quantum physics and the Bigfoot phenomenon? Could you tell tell us a bit more about that piece on a bit how what the because uh, that was something I would never have uh, thought of interacting would be quantum physics and and Bigfoot. So, how what's your what's your views on the similarities between the, the two?
2: Oh yeah, I love it. That's what I've been hinting at all since we started here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and what got me into that is uh, well, who we are as humans. Because I was raised, I was raised religiously, you know. In a, uh, but I'm a spiritual person now, not a religious person. I don't associate myself with the church necessarily, and and uh, I just, but when I get into quantum physics, I find out that the Cortes said, "Well, one man calls God, another one calls quantum physics." So to me quantum physics is uh it goes beyond classical science, which we all live in in a third dimensional environment. Uh, what one man calls God and another man calls quantum physics. So to me they're synonymous and and so if you wanna really understand more, you have to learn what the masters have been saying from the old, you know, how they did things. Well they did it through mostly through love and compassion. And that's what we have to learn to do and be. And once we're that way, then you're on the realm to the right spot in the universe. But uh, quantum physics is, is deep, and you, you won't understand it all because unless you can understand how the end of the universe works, well, you won't understand quantum physics. However, <laughs> the math in quantum physics is what makes it acceptable because the math has shown that certain things are correct, and it has to be disproven by mathematics right? because you never see quantum physics. It's like our cell phone. We don't know how that works. We don't know how this is working right here. Well, I don't. It's strange how you guys would be talking to me from Scotland. Here I am in the United States, you know, and we're live, you know, real time. Mm-hmm. Well, how's that working? You know, it's working. Uh, so, quantum physics is with us every day. We just, it's just creeping into our lives more and more. Artificial intelligence is going to take over here one of these days, and we'll really see it creep. But, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> quantum physics is uh, how they're doing artificial intelligence and uh, a lot of other things this planet uh i i know that the unanswered questions we had at our camp was uh, sounds that sound like our camp was being tore apart one time and we looked out the shelter door later on when it stopped and nothing had changed well how do you explain that you know did they hypnotize us all uh did what happened were we listening to another dimension what i don't know uh other times you so many things have happened up there that's just strange uh the david pilates episode that he presented missing hunted, missing 9 one nine one one. he did a 15 minute episode with me and it, I took I let him go to the camp took him up there and in his videographer and he I got about 15 minutes on that DVD I think it's free if anybody wants to watch it it's really uh, pretty good yeah it's good and, uh, he, he he showed the uh, representation of his elongated light by us up there which I showed his videographer where it went and how it went and, he did a real good de- uh, depiction of that on, on that film. Uh, but that's strange. I mean, what do you do with that? People just don't see that every day, you know? It just mm-hmm. comes floating through the trees, long, a light, probably three, four foot long. And uh, it's just a form of energy. But nothing surprises me up there. Sometimes when I heard what I thought was a big, huge tuning fork above our heads in the daytime, you can't find the source of it. It just sounds like that. I you hear a herd of horses coming towards you and there's not a herd of horses coming towards you. Mm-hmm. You know, just strange stuff. Uh, one time, well, there's a lot of stories. I could go on for hours about the stories, but quantum physics is where it really boils down to, okay, they know something we don't know. They're able to do something we're not doing yet. We haven't evolved that far yet. Mm-hmm. I think they've been here longer than Homo sapiens, some of them. A lot of them have diluted down, And uh, a lot of them are more human-like, but some of them are newer than others, different than others. Uh, They toy with humans, i got to tell you that. They mostly do this at night, switching hours between 2 and 4 in the morning, 1 and 4, something like that. When I think the Earth's vibrational frequency goes down, as as ours does too, and they're maybe able to to Mm -hmm. seep into our consciousness a little bit when we're in that uh, alpha state of awareness so i'm not answering your question very well am i i'm no, just sorry it's,
1: it's uh, what i find interesting is uh, the the areas is, is there something like a unique energy about uh, about the areas or is there uh, that that seems to maybe attract these things uh i'm i'm interested in quantum physics as well i've been uh, studying ai and even spoke about ai uh and to an Element of degree, I, I was actually looking at uh, quantum computing as well. Uh, so I, I do find it very, very interesting. I do think there are similarities between uh, the paranormal and and quantum quantum physics. But my knowledge of it and my understanding of it is, is quite is quite low. Um, but what I find really interesting as well is the types of communication, because again, I'm. Uh, it seems that some communication seems to be. Uh, is guttural the right answer, but uh, from looking at some of your research, it seems to go beyond what humans can hear. So can you maybe tell us about the types of different communication they've got, and uh, maybe not just not the vocal communication, but any other form of communication that you've uh, seen on?
2: Well, there's a call, the uh, you know where the pineal gland is, in the middle of yes. your head. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that has to be, that is our receptor, in my opinion. And that's what the uh, Egyptians depicted on the uh, pictographs. And that's what they talked about, the eye Horus. It's the third eye, your consciousness, but you don't, don't take light to see with it. It is, a, it's like an eye though, except you don't, you don't have to see or have to have light, but it is connected to the heart. And that heart has a mind of its own too. And that's what will give you a gut feeling. That, that gut feeling though has to be connected to your outside brain. I say outside brain because it's our analytical conditioned brain that's been taught certain things. And we have to learn to listen to this, which is connected to the heart. The heart will tell you something, but your mind has to be in coherence with that. So you have, to, you have to learn how to meditate and get that done, get that coherence done so they're all right. That's what chakras are all about. That's what a lot of the ancients taught, how to become one with, with that. That's how you become one with the universe. Really, how how you can receive what's right and what's wrong for you because your mind is going to tell you to go over there because that's where all the money is or something like that. But your your heart might say, "Well, this little old lady needs help cross the street." Well, you got to do what your heart is. That's that's what that's what it's all about. Hmm. We spend our whole life trying to accumulate things, trying to climb this ladder of success. Well, success is being happy now and helping people. That's huh. how you be successful, in my opinion. And I've been very successful in business. I was one of those guys that had all the toys, airplanes, I had everything I wanted, and uh, I did quite well in business and but I realized now in my older age. I was 29 when it started with me, so I figured to do the math. that was 1971 and I just uh, I've learned that happiness is is you okay with yourself as a human, you know how special we are, what frequency we were designed to be in, and we're not in that now. we're only in the third frequency. I think we have to go where the Anunnaki were. Uh, they were, some of them were fallen. You know, they, some of them came to Earth and started influencing mankind. And after you read the Mesopotamia, the Sumerians and all that, and you get into yeah. just what they did, how that relates to Bigfoot, I think is kind of important too. Because if they were created by the same thing to do work or whatever, uh, we need to find out more about the Bigfoot creatures to know more about ourselves too. Going going back see. to the
0: going back to the, the light phenomena, um, with the yeah. the beam of light you mentioned in the video, um, which it, it's, I find it interesting that aspect here. Um, do you think the the beam of light was connected to the Bigfoot up there? And I mean, like, or do you think it was just the area? Do you think actually that that was it? and maybe the process of transformation or a process of coming from somewhere? Or...
2: Well, in my belief, uh, Chris, it's just, everything is energy, frequency, and vibration. We know that from physics, right? Yeah. At the most minute level of our existence, we are energy, frequency, vibration. We're vibrating at a frequency. And Einstein said, and uh, I believe this is how the masters did the miracles, you find the frequency of anything, you can change its matter. You got Dr. Paul Dirac from uh, 1933 won the Nobel Prize for antimatter. Antimatter is a direct exchange between energy and matter. Matter and energy are interchangeable. That was established firmly by CERN in 2012, the Hadron Collider, and, and over there. And so you get you get that knowing because you can't see energy, but you can detect it. Well, you can see the particle, but all of a sudden it's just detectable. That's all. That's what they call a God particle. Got you know, kind of a little bit uh, spooky there for a while <laughs> they don't know what they're dealing with. However, I think they do know what they're dealing with. Uh, yeah. It's just uh, a matter of time before so much so much is happening right now on this whole planet. Yeah, and We're going to see a lot of stuff. Hey, you guys will probably see more than I. It depends on how long it takes for this to come to a head. But it's coming to a head because the UFOs are here. Aliens have been here for ages. There's a hybridization program going on and going on now. Hmm. Um, you know, it just you know, just happening, it's just all it's all biblical too, if you want to get into it.
0: Totally, uh, prophecy. totally is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, definitely. It's in every scripture. Um God, when you know where to look. It definitely is. Yeah. Um uh, do you do you see obviously the US government now in, in regards to the whole I take it you've potentially followed the, the disclosure process or the slow disclo- disclosure process. Um do you see the US government as the potential disclosure of the secrets or still the keeper of the secrets?
2: Well, they disclosure disclose it as, as long as they think we can handle it. They want to give us what they think they can handle, what they think we can handle. Yeah. And, uh, the Bigfoot thing is going to have to come out pretty soon because too many people are seeing it. I mean, I've been speaking to crowds in the thousands and that's yeah. you know, mostly it's in the hundreds, but I spoke to a few that's in the thousands and people are interested in this because more and more people are, are seeing these things and, yeah. Well, more people have these questions what are they how come the government don't tell us about it? well i'm i'm sure pretty sure the government knows about these things they just yeah, yeah. they just can't control it so what they're going to do they break out and say well yeah these things are <laughs> alien alien intervention in the genome or something like that well you're going to freak out and uh they're they let us know about the ufos and aliens and that's they're only letting us know what they think we can handle mm-hmm. they, they they got it all really and i'm not sure the uh how I say this? The government that worried voting in is actually the government that knows about yeah, everything Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a black undercover government, yeah, there's that's another, really yeah. handling everything, yeah. And uh, they're the ones that uh, that decide what's going to be let out, what isn't mm-hmm. the, go- the government behind the
0: government, yeah, definitely. Oh, um, well, that's
2: what's going on. I lost my earplug plug. <laughs> I think, I, th- I think it's
0: uh, oh, we're, we're living in. You okay? You hear us? Yes, yeah. We're definitely living in some interesting times Um, And see where this is going to go I mean it's I I, do, I still find it frustrating Where it's um Where the whole The arrow they're, they're, they're still looking at lights in the sky And all that kind of stuff You know what I mean It was um Like the twining document Going back to Years and years and years ago You know what I mean It's like the, the statements in that In that were So far beyond What's even getting looked at now mm-hmm. Um and it's it's still kind of going at that pace, but I reckon there's going to be more more coming soon. But for to what end? I mean, that's the reason. I mean, I, I'm interested to know why they're trying to push it out now. That's the kind of main thing. I think there's maybe something that's turned their hand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's either I'm not say it's negative in any sense, but there's like something's definitely turned their hand where it's like there's a date where they need to get this probably potentially pushed out before it's. Maybe mass panic or, or whatever. So. Um... Well,
2: that's why I'm talking with you guys today. You know, I think this word has to get out that something's big is going to happen, and it's it's happening now as we live. Hmm. And uh, I think people just should should be aware of what I've been talking about as far as us as human beings, what we're made in the image of, something very high frequency being, and we're doomed. Not doomed. We're we're made to be in that in that same element. And we can only do that through our experiences or by graduating out of this dimension, which is going to happen. The earth is trying to, it's alive too. You know, It's trying to evolve into a fourth dimension. And we have to go through that to get into anything else. And if you don't do it right this time, <laughs> you got to do it right somewhere. You got to mm-hmm. get it right. We got to get it right. You know, and The right is by love and compassion. It's just the only way to get it right. I agree with that. That's what's, have- what's going to
1: so sorry Ron, I uh, interrupted you there I, I, I've actually found with a lot of the spiritual practice nowadays that I feel that being compassionate and kind to people is actually probably the ultimate spiritual practice and uh, I feel that people might want to see something or have a miracle but actually the, the real spirituality aspect to it is is just being kind to people on uh, an everyday every day basis
2: they, they can't get around the fact that we're all part of a oneness that's waiting for us. If we just learn, uh, they, they are a warring species and that's just the way we are. Uh, we want to hurt people at war. Yeah. I mean, we always have been. And, and we got to stop that crap. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta, I mean, why don't people want to kill each other all the time over there? You know, they get so, uh, wrapped up in their, uh, religious dogma that they just, uh, Think no one's supposed to have their own thoughts or feelings or karma to deal with. Uh, Yeah, I wish that people could. Well, I guess I should run from this universe or something. You know, <laughs> <Peace. laughs> it was it was peace just for Earth peace. <laughs>
0: just just you saying that kind of comment, they've got me thinking. I, I, I was tweeting or X and whatever it's called now, but um, on internet, I think it was yesterday, the day before, and. um, you know there's been some dates banded about about the whole um disclosure process and there's been dates being pushed out about two thousand twenty seven as some type of event and things like that. You hear these things and um and there was somebody comment about like about potentially is it something nefarious or this, this. I didn't get wrapped up in all that, but and I said, well, if you're looking at something if there is something coming, let's say there is something coming and you're thinking it's nefarious what's probably worse than ourselves, you know, you know what I mean? Look at what we do to each other and, and, and the planet and everything else. So, I mean, I mean, it's it's not as if what could be worse than what we do to each other, you know? So, well, I mean, I we're, I was... we're potentially enslaved already in, <laughs> in regards to, I wouldn't say enslaved, but um, somebody controls the narrative mm. that a lot of people follow.
2: I think we're all in for a lot between now and, nine, and 2027, because and you're right, I've heard that before, 2027 is the day when just everything's got to change, and yeah. But we're on the edge of something pretty negative right now, and it could get even worse, uh, so I don't like to, I'm not a pessimist by a long shot, and I don't like to put that energy out there, because every thought is an energy. Yeah. So we could get more and more people to just think positive about how they want things to be instead of how things appear to be. That'll help help the energy go the right direction and, and maybe do help you, things change. Definitely, so, yeah.
1: Do you think that there's a, a spiritual aspect to Bigfoot? And the reason I'm going to ask you this question is that I've heard people actually having a, intense feelings of joy and love been uh being close to a bigfoot and I just wonder if you' ever heard of anything like that if there was any sort of, sort of teaching that these sort of uh these entities can provide to us
2: these entities do you want to us
1: uh like there's is there any elements of them being of, of their spirituality or their is there oh. anything you you've noticed with that one I,
2: I think they are they are they are associated entities with the consciousness and uh they uh like i said they could be good ones or they could be bad ones i think what we dealing with in the sierras were probably good ones because they didn't mm-hmm. eat us and we always had guns as a hunting camp wasn't a big deal one way or the other we didn't have any intention of shooting at one unless they had came at us mm-hmm. through the shelter or even that night you know but we never shot at them uh they tried to intimidate us a lot i think in 71 72 when those aggressive sounds were being made and that's a little frightening, you know. But still, you're not going to shoot at up You don't know, first of all, what the other ones are going to do if you go to shoot one, and you don't know, uh, you don't know if your bullets even going to help okay. it or not. You know, <laughs> so uh, it could have been we have just been all deaf now, and somebody's lunch or dinner. I uh, don't know, but uh, <laughs> they uh, they're definitely there. They're they're they come out mostly at night, evening times, and I don't know if it's because. Of, they don't want to be seen or because they, they probably live underground or stand around during the day or some of them are just maybe interdimensional period. They just go out of your perception. You know, we only see within light light's frequency, which is 400, 430 and 770 terahertz. That's the light's frequency. You know, all these other frequencies are out there. So once yeah. they go out of that frequency of light, uh, you're not going to see them anymore with your eyes. And uh, that's that could be interdimensional. They could just, you know, If they're made that way, and they've got the attribute to do that. I think if they do do it, they do it through sound frequency. Mm -hmm. If they they go interdimensional. Even sound at its 40th octave will turn into light. So is Bigfoot and those orbs got anything to do with each other? I think they do. A lot of people said they saw Bigfoot actually disappear and then, then an orb appear. Well, these orbs have got... They got an intelligence behind them. Mm-hmm. Well, what I saw up there had intelligence behind it. The Johnson brothers had orbs following them around above their head. Uh, they didn't know what to do about that. But what do you do? What do you do <laughs> about any of this stuff? So just try to understand it. Just understand there's so much more out there that you don't see, feel, or, or can touch. Uh, a bear's olfactory sense is 20 times better than ours, so they're going to smell better than we do. We obviously don't see anything outside of that frequency I just mentioned, and even uh, your hearing—you know, you don't hear ultrasound or infrasound. So, if you understand your human limitations, uh, you'll get along better with everything and uh, realize that geez, we're just not not the king of the woods like we think we are. Mm-hmm. We go around shooting at things, and anyway, I don't hunt anymore. By the way, mm-hmm. I don't believe in destroying anything uh just uh, respond with everything in the best you can. Mm. Definitely.
0: I mean it's no, I find it I find it extremely interesting as well just with the um with the mixture there you were discussing at camp and the light phenomena linked in with Sasquatch obviously as well which it, it, it comes up in many 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 cases but even that still splits the the cany kind of bigfoot camp in regards for spiritual beings to flesh and blood or a mixture of two and, and things like that as well. But going, going back to Scotland where um the place is called Ben McDoug when I was talking about the, the big grey man. Um and this this thing had been in normally can kind of heard people following people, things like that, footprints in the snow Um, But then it had been seen a few times as well A number of times throughout a number of years Um, But the area up there itself as well Is linked with a lot of different phenomena Um, So obviously kind of Magnetic anomalies and There's actually a a UFO religion Uses an adjacent hill Called um, I can't remember the name of the hill But they use it as a pilgrimage site For as part of the religion It's called a theory society So they use that place as well in the same area and even then, they might not even knew the two things. They weren't really linked, but it's interesting, it's the same area. And in the other part for the same area as well, is a place called Devil's Point, where there was things supposed to have kind of manifested back in the day as well. So it's just this kind of congregation area. And there has been some recent sightings of this as well. So there have been recent sightings of, um some type of wild man anywhere or some type of Bigfoot creature. Um, but it's, I find it, I find it vastly interesting, especially here because we we stay in central Scotland. It's, it's not a big country, as you know, but we stay in the central Scotland where it's um, mostly populated, and you still get some. You, we get a lot of strange accounts where we stay. We stay in an area where there's um, multiple different phenomena um, reported right across the board for the UFOs, for cryptid type beings, to everything throughout the years. Um, and we find it really interesting. And the link that Mark said earlier on, um, you, you see quite a lot of this activity around past um, Neolithic Neolithic um, burial sites and, and things like that. And I know it's a kind of cliche if people say that, but as for here anyway. We, we kind of find quite a lot of different UFO cases in that linked in around about the same area over decades. Um, but that's the thing. The thing is, as well, it's trying to. Why I wanted you to come on as well is to, if people may be into, into the field, into the big field, the Sasquatch field, because I never was personally um, until a, a good number of years ago. Um, uh, I started, there's a guy I, I, I listen to further south in the country and they had came across multiple phenomena and cryptids involved in it. And cryptids are never my thing. And um, I was always into UFOs and 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 things like that, multiple kind of phenomena. And um, I didn't say I didn't believe in cryptos, but I never researched it in any sense. And when I started looking into it, the more and more and more and more and more I looked into it, the more and more I, I, I kind of thought this is there's definitely something here, and definitely you can link it to a lot of different phenomena. I mean, you see when you you follow this subject across the board as as you have and as Mark has, and I mean, and you've been at it a lot, a good number of years more than us, but you do see similarities crossing across different paranormal fields. And um and that's what we're saying, getting you on because there's maybe people that listen to my podcast who maybe are just into UFOs or maybe just into um something paranormal, but maybe no looked at the, the cryptid field in any sense. And it's it's worth definitely giving it a look because it's a, it's so it's so interesting. And there's definitely something there. where, you know what I mean it's um it's um the only, the only kind of thing I've ever had, i never had any sighting or anything like that, but there a place where there was a sighting back in the day. And um, before I knew that sighting had took place in this place, I had a out running in this area and I had a, a total sense of fear. Like the fear factor, when you get the, the Oz factor, the fear factor, it was like that. Um, and it wasn't until 20 years later, I interviewed somebody and it was just, it was just about 50 metres for the same spot as they had the sighting. Um, but the sighting they scene It wasn't like a A flesh and blood type thing It was like a If you can imagine it was like A bulky large creature But more like an ethereal Type thing as well um, In the woods um, Full family seen an Interesting story but um, Anyway listen Ron Thanks very much for for taking the time to come on uh, I really appreciate your time Um and the books you've you've got out so far, you've got um and so you've got basically the Voices in the Wilderness and Quantum Bigfoot. Is there any other books out there you want to carry, um let the viewers know we uh, could find you uh, Yeah,
2: I have got I've got another one just about ready to go. I'm writing another book. And uh I should have that out perhaps right the first year. Mm. And uh I got two CDs too on my website, ronmorehead.com. And uh those are both uh, all this stuff's downloadable too on my website if you don't want the hard copy of the books hmm. i say hard copy they're paperbacks <clears throat> but uh they're they're going uh, over well i mean there's a lot of uh a lot of stuff being said about them so all are good as, as far as i hear i <laughs> don't yeah. so, no, you know you don't hear the bad stuff sometimes but but uh i i rarely get challenged on anything but if i do i just say what i know and what i don't know and what i think and what i don't think yeah you know? and at my age i just want my word to get out that i i, I think i put some more dots together that, that most researchers don't look for and don't try to <clears throat> most researchers are strict, strictly in the flesh and blood only camp and yeah. to me nothing is just flesh and blood only Definitely nothing yeah. nothing is we all have consciousness we all have abilities that we haven't reached yet haven't learned how to how pursue and how to evolve into. Uh, however, all that's going to change for us here for a while. Yeah, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think the same as well. Yeah, um, I'll put all the the links to your your website and your books and that in the show notes. Um, and as I said, I really appreciate coming and going. I'm going to have a shout out to. Um, Jim and Bob, they were um, quite excited you were on tonight so you'd maybe give them a shout out for us they'd be well impressed at that they see you as a, a Bigfoot legend so that was Jim and Bob <laughs> Okay Jim and
1: Wait. Bob um, Mark, are you ready as well, mate? Can I, have t- can I uh, just have two, minute, uh, two minutes of your time, Ron? because there's two questions I've, I've been dying to ask you and uh, the first one is before I, I have done, done the, the research uh, for the interview, and I noticed that you're a pilot and you're also a scuba driving instructor. And it's made me realise before, just before I came on here that it always seems that these sort of things are seen in uh, in like woodlands, for example. But I've also noticed that some of the times it can maybe have like, maybe like different vocalizations. Uh, vocalizations. Which might be affected by the trees, like I know. Sometimes they, they. Have you ever heard of anything like in water? I've, the only, only time I've ever heard anything was an Australian encounter. I'm just wondering if you've heard anything like that, and uh, does that make a difference? Because instead of having trees to hit on, they might have, uh, they might communicate through some other way, like maybe through the water, which might be a bit different. Uh, I know it's a silly question, but I'm just wondering if you, if you've heard anything like that, uh, and. <sighs>
2: I have it personally. Albury did. Uh, mm-hmm. He saw something coming under the boat very fast down Southern mm-hmm. California when he was heading off the, uh, one of the islands out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard that a lot of these things, and I, I have a belief that a lot of the UFOs are actually uh, underwater, yeah. I mean, they they underwater. Yeah, they just went
1: underwater. just that the water would change the the speed of like the clicks or something like that you hear. And the, the very last uh, very last question. Sorry to to go on. With this is. Uh, there's a place in Scotland called uh, Currie and Currymuir uh, isn't a small town, and it's most it's most famous for uh, being the the home of Arthur J. M. Barry, who wrote Peter Pan, and there was some uh, bigfoot sightings around there recently, but in four years ago, and there seems to be. Uh, markings like they'll, they'll, they'll mark something and there's quite a distinctive way it was like somebody tied something around a, a fence have you ever seen these sort of markings like trees being or, or twigs being moved in a specific way that looks like some sort
2: of communication in the Sierra Nevada mountains well no I mean I've seen stuff like that but I can't put it off the big Bigfoot just because it could be done by nature it could be done by a person sometime. uh I've seen some carving in trees, but that's uh, a bass camp a long time before the Johnson Brothers started right going up there. And uh, I can't say I've seen anything that I would, really, even structures, you know, a lot of them done can be done naturally, but some of them aren't. I mean, it's not unusual for structures to guide the way for somebody else coming behind them, you know. Uh, the Native Americans used to do that a lot, just to show who was coming behind them where to go. Uh, so that wouldn't be unusual. It's just... Some of these people that claim everything is a wood structure just uh don't know what, how nature works <laughs> nature <laughs> nature can do some interesting things trees been over and stuff like that winds and snow load can do that so easy and uh it does do that yeah well, that's that. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Ron, I uh, appreciate your time tonight. Uh, thanks very much. And uh, as I said, I'll link all Ron's um, details, website and books into the show notes. And uh, feel free to can, uh, look at your stuff. Absolute legend the Bigfoot Field. And I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Ron. Thank, Thank you. Sure.
2: My honor. Appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks, Ron. That's great. Yes. Thank you very much
2: for that. Okay. I hope I help something. You know, That's all I hope for in these things is that it helps something. Yeah, that, that's why we do it as well. It's just
0: to try and, we just do it to get, try and get more word out there, try and get more people to, to look at the field um, as a whole and and understand well, it a bit more. Yeah,
2: we're all conditioned. And uh, that's what we've got to understand is whatever culture you're in, whatever religions you're in, whatever where we were, you're conditioned in a box. Mm-hmm. And that's where your brain is, is formed. And uh, anything outside that box is it's always questions and it should be questions or sometimes it's not even questions. You know, you're there and that's the way it's gonna be and you're stuck there and you don't wanna try to get out of it. But so I try to encourage just people to get out of their box and uh, just have an open mind because the parachute only works when it opens. You treat your mind like that. And another thing I guess, when you're green, you grow and when you're ripe, you rot. So let's all just keep learning. Look <laughs> that. You guys take care. You too. Thanks, yeah, Ron. Thanks, Thank
1: you. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Okay.